Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Well, hello, and welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. I'm Steve Norman, and it is my great honor and privilege to welcome as our guest today, Ann Lucas, who is a parenting coach here at Winning at Home. Ann, tell us, how did you find out about Winning at Home, and how did you end up in the role that you're in? Wow, that's a big story. Um, I definitely have heard about Winning at Home just over the years living in this community listening to Dan share some messages at churches. But then getting here is probably the biggest part of my journey, just in my parenting journey. We, I have biological kids. I have foster kids, adoptive kids. And so I've just learned a lot and had to learn a lot about parenting and parenting differently. And that eventually led me to uh, becoming a parent coach to help other parents learn what I have learned the hard way. So for people who haven't heard of a parent coach, what, what does a parent coach do? And when, when does somebody know that they need one? Sure. Parent coach is really, if you think of it like a, a sports coach, right, where you a coach helps you strengthen your areas that you're good in and kind of points out some weaknesses and helps you develop those into you know greater strengths as well. So um, parenting coach will just kind of help you when you're struggling, when you're like, nothing I'm doing is working. I'm very frustrated. I need help. And that's when a parent coach is, is great. It's a safe place to say your frustrations, which a lot of us don't have that safe place, especially if we're like fostering or adopting. Sometimes it's hard to find that safe place to share what you're really frustrated about. And how did your family get involved in fostering and adopting? What, what did that track look like? To- yeah, it was just a seed that was always planted in my heart. And uh, there was one time at a church message, somebody shared about their foster journey and my husband and I found ourselves just weeping at the end of the service, thinking it was one of those services where everybody's crying. We looked around like, no, it's just us. What's going on here? So we prayed about it. And the Lord just kind of brought us into our, our foster journey about like 12 years ago. And what have been some of the greatest gifts? Well, the greatest journey? gift is we have adopted our, our youngest son, who's now 10. So that's been a blessing to be part of that. And for, for the friends that I have had who have done fostering, it's really rewarding. It can also come with its own kind of batch of stresses and strains. What words of encouragement or insight do you have for people who might be early in their foster experience? Mm-hmm. What has been so amazing in my journey is seeing how close God is, how he answers my prayers, how beyond anything I can learn in, in books from smart doctors that study the brain and trauma God knows it all, and he can give us wisdom and knowledge and uh, just really seek him for everything. And when you're kind of feeling weak to do that, you know, seek other people to support you and lift you up in prayer as well. As a coach, what are some of the more common or consistent themes or questions that people come to you about when it comes to parenting? Really, it's just behaviors. Like, what do we do with this certain behavior? And, you know, what I've learned over time is behavior is communication, and we can figure out what's really going on in behavior. But what we've often learned is behavior requires punishment. And God has revealed to me a lot about punishment through his word, which I never used to really think the Bible had a lot to say about parenting until I realized the whole thing is just shares about parenting because the whole thing is about God's love for us and how we are to point our kids to God and his love for us. The verse that kind of really has stood out to me in my journey of parenting and going through some some really difficult hard times um, is first john 4 18 says there's no fear in love and said perfect love derives out fear because fear has to do with punishment there was one night in my parenting journey where i was just seeking crying out to the lord 
with what to do for this child's certain behavior. God just revealed that to me, and it wasn't, you know, I was seeking, like, what's the consequence, God? What's what's right. the punishment? As You know, I've, I've probably, admit, I've Googled that before. <laughs> like, what do you do for this? Sure. Um, but God said, point this child to my love, you know, showing his love. I think as Christian parents, we want to do that. And, but then punishment does not point him to God's love. It points us to fear, and fear separates us from God. There is no, there's no, uh, there's no fear in love, and God's love is perfect. How did that unfold? Like, what was the next morning like with that yeah. insight embedded in your brain? You know, just kind of the other verses of, um, like in Colossians 3.12, like showing compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Like, yeah, messed up, you know, and what are we going to do about it? Let's, let's work on picking ourselves up from this failure and moving forward. And I think sometimes the word perfection has been something I've wrestled with for a long time personally. Okay. Um, I just had a birthday and, you know, you get all those nice, kind texts, right? And one of them said, I hope your day is perfect. And I know it was all meant in kindness and love. And I replied, thank you. But in my spirit, I kind of rejected it because when I expect perfection from others in myself, I'm going to be fail. I'm going to be disappointed. And that has kind of been part of my parenting journey is not expecting perfection, but to point to the perfect God through love, through kindness, through gentleness, compassion. What do you think it is about our own wiring that wants or needs our kids to be our version of perfect? Yeah, I mean, I think we all long for that perfectness of heaven, Sure. right? And we're not there yet. So I think we have a longing for perfection and like the world twist that into thinking we could have that now. Like it's those little little things in life where this kind of that twist of thought, like, oh, we can achieve perfect perfection. You know, we watch the Olympics and someone gets sure. a perfect 10, but that's not really how life is. Um, yeah, God is perfect. We are good. He created us good, not perfect. It's funny that you mentioned the Olympics because when, you know, this last year we had the Winter Olympics and when you watch events that are rated by scores, like right. figure skating, other thing, you all you watch for is people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like because all of the the 90% of a routine is just picture perfect. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're just you're waiting for a slip or you're waiting for a fall yeah. or you're waiting for somebody to miss a landing and that's where the drama is. And yeah. we don't if we're not careful, we'll end up kind of skating over or overlooking all of the successes and all of the wins and all of the mm-hmm. just kind of stable good days that yeah. might not be particularly dramatic and focus on the really high highs or the really low right. lows. Yeah. One thing I teach my parents is we're looking for progress, not perfection. And the, when you can see those little bits of progress, even if it's just one step forward and the next day it's two steps back, you, you remember that one step forward. That's progress. And that's what we're seeking. Yeah. And it sounds like in sometimes in our parenting journey, that progress, like you just said, can take longer than we want it to. Definitely. <laughs> what do you what do you say to parents who are like, hey, I'm getting this one behavior. It's been six months or two years and the needle doesn't seem to be moving. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one. I always point to God first. Let's pray. What What are we missing? What What does this child need? that they are not getting? What is maybe their unmet need, their their skill that needs to be learned yet? And, and how can we help God partner with him to help that child move that needle a little bit forward? So what are some of the other kind of wins that you have seen in your in your own journey as a parent? Like what are, what are some of the, when you learn that lesson, how did you balance that 
temptation to punish and still the expectation that like discipline and boundaries still have to be a part of the equation, mm-hmm. but discipline and boundaries can don't have to look like punishment. Right. They can look like love. How did that evolution happen for you? You know, it just over time, you know, there's lots of trials and errors, just like parenting in general. And when we have a baby, we have to figure out what their cries mean, a lot of trials and errors and mistakes. But um, over time, once you realize how much more peaceful your home can be when it's not a courtroom and a judge and with these little criminals that you have to dole out the punishment, right? When we can just become the detective and work together on the same team, you know, we we can work together and feel that joys together with our child who's having a hard time when you see them having that step of progress. Yeah. And it's, yeah. that's just rewarding in itself. Like, oh, that wasn't a fight. That, right. we, we worked through that together in calmness and peace or, or maybe a little more peaceful and calm than it used to be. So do you have just specific examples for how parents can shift from fear-based punishment that maybe a lot of us in our generation grew up with towards a love and gentle-based discipline? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest like mindset shift, I kind of talked about the judge and the detective, is really that behavior is communication. So okay. trying to figure out what is that behavior communicating? And then you get into more of a helping role versus that punishment role. And I think if you can have that that shift of, I'm here to help you. Like when our babies cry, we go to help them. Yeah. And then kids all of a sudden start walking and talking. And like, oh, <laughs> we respond differently because we feel like they're almost all these developed person, but they're just maybe a two or three or eight or 12 year old. So really just to be curious, I think is the, the biggest shift. Yeah. That's great. I remember reading through the 23rd Psalm and I had always grown up hearing that like God's rod was a rod of punishment. Mm. And sometimes when I look at that the passage again, I'm like, okay, so God is our shepherd and he has a rod and a staff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what's the difference between the rod and the staff? And I realized that the more research, like a rod is a weapon, is a defensive weapon. Right. Like a rod protects, protects us. us. Yeah. From from wolves or mm-hmm. other other threats, but what the staff does is the staff protects, like kind of a shepherd's crook, it protects the sheep from itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that as a parent, we need both. Like we need to figure out when to, when to intervene and protect our kids right. from mm-hmm. thoughts, influences, temptations, Absolutely. desires that um, come externally. Mm-hmm. But then we also come from the staff and say, like, okay, the discipline that I'm doing isn't isn't to impose my will on you or to shame you into a particular outcome. Mm-hmm. But the discipline is really to be able to say like, I, I don't want to shame you. I do want to help you understand yes. that these behaviors or this posture carried out to an extreme right. has consequences that mm-hmm. if that happened outside of our home could have really devastating right. effect on right. you and the things that you care about. Mm-hmm. But often in that we can go to this place of future fear, right? right? That's not even true. And then exactly. we're, we're back in fear-based parenting again. And, and, you know, often in my home, like, okay, we just need to talk about what is happening now, not what we're afraid about in five years or 10 years. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you could have had a coach early on in your parenting journey, what would you have asked that person? Hmm. Man, that's a great question. I don't think I knew what to ask because I didn't know what I needed to know because I thought I knew it all. When I right. when I started parenting, you know, I remember going to the grocery store, my kid's never going to act that way. So I think parenting is so humbling, right? It teaches us what we don't know. It teaches us what things we need to work on in ourselves, what triggers that we maybe have from our childhood that we need to heal and work through. So really it's just someone to 
constantly guide me and point me back to God to say, what is this revealing about you and your heart and your spirit? Yeah. Talk a little bit more about the triggers that we might experience in our parenting that bring us back to the way that we were parented. Yeah, a lot of us were raised in kind of a lot of punishment and fear. And so oftentimes if we were maybe shamed or punished for something, a behavior that we now see in our kids, we kind of go back to that feeling, that yucky feeling that we have when we were shamed. And so that kind of riles us up in our emotions and kind of produces anger in us. And so we might not discipline in in love and gentleness and kindness, but we react versus we respond because sure. of those triggers. And so learning to identify what those are is probably the biggest key in parenting life. Like what is those triggers recognizing anything, emotions, right? Recognizing our emotions is what help us heal through those emotions. I'm realizing that again, like I'm not always consciously aware of that, but sometimes if I'm able to kind of zoom out and, and look at myself from that fly on the wall perspective, I've really convicted to be able to say, the reason I tend towards using shame as a formation tool with my children is because I'm carrying shame somewhere in my life. Yeah. So it's not like I'm in a really healthy place and I just kind of pulled the shame lever off of the right. the toolbox to, mm-hmm. to use that. It's like, but if we have shame, then we use shame. We mm-hmm. become agents and conduits yeah. of shame. So the best way to unshame mm-hmm. <laughs> our children is to do kind of a deep yeah. shame inventory. Yeah, to be it's able really to say, just your interpersonal work in yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or what tools have you found to help parents be able to say like, wow, I wasn't consciously aware of the shame that I experienced as a person or as a spouse or as a child of God or as a parent that that has not fully been addressed. Yeah. Like where, where can they, where can they start yeah. pulling on that thread so that they can get to a, a healthy place? I mean, as a coach, you can really hear it when parents are talking because what I do is I listen a lot and it, it will just kind of like our triggers are kind of like warning lights on, on our cars. Like they're like, okay, here's here's a problem that we need to address. And so really just asking them, you might want to, you know, figure out where that's coming from, you know, okay. search, ask God where that's coming from. And then once you find that, I'm going to ask him to heal it. Yeah. And that's what I really do. And again, this is not a winning at home commercial, but this is what <laughs> I appreciate about winning at home because I think sometimes the need that we start with is, hey, I think I need a skill. And sometimes we'll reach out to a coach for a skill. And then sometimes in our journey, we'll realize, oh, I have the reason I need this skill is because there's maybe a, a wound that mm-hmm. hasn't been addressed. And that's why I, I love being a part of a place yeah. that has both coaching and counseling yeah. that complement one another. I love it, too, because a lot of parents think, oh, my child just needs this therapy. And yes, I agree. Um, but often the parents need that coaching because there's you know a little shift that needs to happen. So it's a great partnership together. And I love that we can partner with that here to a winning at home. Yeah. And I and I love your perspective that that says not only does perfection not need to be the bar for our children, but perfection also doesn't have to be the bar for ourselves. Yeah. That's a hard thing in this community. I talk, find. <laughs> talk about that. What is it what's what's kind of bait what's in the groundwater in a community like West Michigan. Right. I mean, I'm sure we're not the only community and you know, other people listening are from other communities, but I mean, it was just we're wired for that perfection. We were grew up for our first 20 some years having grades and, and letters and numbers associated with our performance. So it's kind of just been ingrained like we need to achieve. And, you know, sometimes our religion even taught us that we need to achieve to gain God love. And now we know that's not true. Yeah. But sometimes we either heard that maybe or kind of receive that in what we saw yeah. growing up. 
are you a West Michigan native? Did you grow up around yes. here? Okay. Yeah. So I'm a transplant. And so I remember coming here and appreciating so much of the, of the beauty and the, the Dutch immigrant history and the hard work. And one of the things we love about the tulip time parades is it starts with people like literally sweeping the streets, <laughs> right? right? I never thought and, about that. <laughs> and for as fun as that is, that's also a reminder that like clean and order and tidy and appearance is part is part of the psyche. It's part of the ethos. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be bad. I think yes. there are a lot of yeah. beautiful things that come with that. Like I've never lived in a community that had better looking lawns. <laughs> so there is an upside. The flip side or the caution there is that we could inadvertently put pressure on ourselves and others to say things that aren't true about our lives or our journeys for the sake of maintaining appearances. Right. I think, like I said, parenting is humbling and you you want to be perfect and you want your your little children to be perfect, not to reflect God, but to reflect you. And that that's that's not right, but it's kind of what we often do. And so when a, a child is misbehaving, well, that shows us that we're not perfect right. and we're not showing our community that we're perfect. Yeah. Um, and, and that's been a, a journey in my life to get through and especially – you know, having kids uh, with trauma, their behaviors are not perfect. Sure. <laughs> and it's pretty evident. Um, it's not just in our house where you can kind of keep it behind closed doors. It's it's everywhere. So, uh, you know, just having that humility that God created us good, but he did not create us perfect. Well, and especially with the complexities of both fostering and adoption, you can't you can't put a sign around your child's neck in the store no. that says like this person has a trauma backstory. <laughs> right. Like that's that's not fa- it's not fair and no. honoring to them. No. But there is a part of you that's tempted to be able to say like this isn't my fault. Right. Like, right. So so how how has that how has that arc worked for you particularly, Anne? Like how did you get to a point where either a you found community with other parents that w- gave each other grace to be where they were, or b you just chose to not care as much about what other people thought, said, or believed about you as a parent. Yeah, it's A, B, and C. And just okay. really C would be seeking God for who he says I am. Good. Mm-hmm. And how, and how, what are the, what are some of the regular reminders or anchors that you use to come back to that? Like, because you can hear God say who you are on Tuesday of 84, right. 1984 and have it evaporate mm-hmm. by Wednesday of 1984, right? Like, so that's a, how do you keep anchoring yourself in that? Because identity isn't a static journey. It's a fluid one. Right. I'm um, just staying in his word because okay. in his word, he tells you that you are loved and you are made good. And uh, he created you with a purpose to glorify him. Yeah. Um, and even even when you go through the hard things, God uses that to, especially if you, what I get to do is to help other people going through hard things too. And yeah. it brings God glory. And um, sometimes I wonder why God didn't create us perfect, why he only created us good. Yeah. And it's so we could point to God in his perfection and his love. Because if we are all perfect little gods around here, There'd be no need to point to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. And any any final or closing words of encouragement or challenge to parents who are just in the grind? Start with empathy. Really listen to your children when they're having a hard time. And like I said, be curious. Um, kind of recognize your own emotions and, like we said, the triggers. Um, you know, we talk a lot about, um, especially in trauma, um, co-regulation and regulating and just really recognizing what's going on in yourselves and your emotions and um, kind of working on yourself first, even 
before you can help your child. Okay. And if people want to reach out to you for coaching, what does that look like? What step do they take? Yeah, I think the easiest would be just send me an email at ann at winningathome.com. A-N-N, no E. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Thanks so much for being a part of our conversation. Uh, if you've got questions about coaching and how it works, please reach out to us at winningathome.com. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.